the building fund being open to read about that and see what that may mean. And also a reminder that we have hired a new pastor that God has raised up, uh, a man who is planning to come and to start on January 4th. We are thrilled to have their family coming. The date draws nearer. He'll be preaching on January the 4th, so you'll want to be here as a way to introduce you to him and let you get to know him a little bit. Um, But our main prayer right now is they are preparing to come, and they're winding down his job and is, uh, is praying that God would sell their house. And God answers prayer, and he's answered many of ours of late, and I would encourage you to join us and to be praying that the Lord would sell uh, the Bainey's house so that they can come here free of that burden. A few years ago, we did a missions conference here in the fall, and we had some local ministries come in uh, on the Sunday evening part, and we met down in the fellowship hall, and we got to uh, go around and see some of the ministries that are going on locally and to sign up for some of them. And one of the things I signed up for was to be a correspondent, to grade correspondence work for uh, someone who is in jail, uh, some, a prisoner in, in jail. And so I've been receiving about every four weeks I get his work in the mail and I grade it. And uh, what I try to do is I write him a letter. I try to send him uh, a handwritten letter just encouraging him, and I try to think of things that would be encouraging to him in his circumstance. It sounds like he's going to be there a long time. Um, we've, we've developed a relationship. We've been doing it now for a year or two. And um, Today, this week, a couple of days ago, I was writing to him and thinking what would be encouraging to him, and I just started writing, well, this is what's been encouraging to me. And, and one of those things has just been a shift in my own soul, writing to him, thinking of his circumstances, is how easy it is to let our circumstances and our troubles and our trials or whatever it is that we're dealing with become the dominant note in our life and we um, we allow I guess our vision of Christ to to get small you know and and for me I was just writing to him you know I I think of that song it's one of those simple choruses it's you know when we fix our eyes on Jesus how the things of the earth the stuff of the earth grows strangely dim uh, and for me, that has been the thing that is the note that God has been bringing to me, is fixing my eyes on Jesus, this, this God of, this Jesus of incarnation, the Jesus of Christmas, the God who becomes flesh, but the Christ who rises from the dead, that a God that we serve in worship is a God who raises the dead. And the more, anyway, just shifting in my life even to, to the stronger, fuller note of worship. Uh, of, of who he is and what he has done, and that that would be the dominant theme that would put all my troubles in perspective. And I, as we come this morning again to lift up Christ, to lift up who he is and what he has done, and my hope and prayer is that this vision of Jesus would fill our vision, and the things of earth would become strangely dim, and the light of his glory and his grace. We're in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7 classic text, messianic prophecy of the coming of the Christ. Hear then the word of God. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. You've multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy, and they rejoice before you as with joy at harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. The yoke of his burden and the, staff on, for, and the staff for his shoulder and the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. 
For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel in the fire. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government, And of his peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts, the Lord Sabaoth, he will do this. Pray with me. Father in heaven, as we come to your word again this morning, we bow our knees before you, longing to catch a flesh a fresh glimpse of Jesus. That you would give us a glimpse of our King and of His kingdom. And that in that glimpse, we would be saved. In that glimpse, we would be lifted up. In that glimpse, we would be full of the hope that is ours in Him. Father, come near this morning. We ask and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The people who walked in darkness, have seen a great light. And those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. It sounds rather dramatic, all this deep darkness in the land that was dwelling in darkness. But when Isaiah is writing this, Israel is entering into a very dark time. Israel had suffered under a weak and kicked... (laughs) All my words this morning, I've been doing... When you speak a lot... They have suffered under a weak and wicked king, Ahaz. Um, And you know what it is, even just for whether you're on one side of the political spectrum of the other, when, you know, somebody else is in power. And just for that short America, you know, it's four years or eight at the most. Some of these guys had kings for for decades and decades. But But to suffer under, this guy is a weak and wicked king. Israel has sunk to new depths. The country is entering into a very dark time. God's judgment is coming on the country. The beginning of the devastation of the northern kingdom has begun. The kingdom of Assyria has ascended in power, has begun raiding into northern, uh, northern Israel and, and destroying its towns and deporting its population, taking them into slavery, into foreign lands. And as we know, before it's done, the entire northern kingdom, 10 twelfths of Israel, will be destroyed enslaved and subjected unto a foreign government, never to rise again. It may sound very far away, this, this darkness that Israel is suffering. You know, on a bright day like this, when we have to close the shades, you know, in our bright days of our American dreams, this kind of doom and gloom may seem pretty remote But when we stop to think for just a moment as we were, as Morgan was leading us in prayer for those things in our world and in our country that are not the way they're supposed to be. When we stop and think beyond our provincial bubble, there is a deep and moral spiritual darkness that sits on our world. Whether it's disease, natural disaster, human inhumaneness to each other, 
and disease. We're worried about Ebola. We're worried about going there. We're worried about it coming here. We're worried about disease. A few years ago, it was the avian flu, and we're worried that's going to destroy the world. And we live, there's disease, cancer, mental illness, brokenness of all kinds, natural disaster, earthquakes, floods, typhoons. There was an earthquake a few years ago that caused a wave, one wave, basically, that killed 230,000 people. In that one wave, wars and inhumanness. You know, at the end of the 1800s, the 19th century, the end of the 1800s, they were calling the 20th century, the 1900s was going to be the Christian century. And it was going to be, they had seen so much advancement and so much had been learned and done in, the, in that, that the 20th century was going to be this, this unbelievable century of enlightenment, you know. And so World War I happened in the first decades of the next century. And over 37 million people, you can't even wrap your mind around that number, 37 million people died. And then they decided, well, this is the war that is going to end all wars. It was so horrible. So many people died. So many families left fatherless. So much suffering and devastation across Europe. You know, so much. This is the war that will end all war because we got a taste of it and we will never do that again. In World War II, 85 million people died. If you count the civilian casualties and the disease and all the, the, the effects of that war on our world, hundreds, thousands and tens of thousands and millions. There are parts of the world where ethnic hatred and murder and violence and injustice go back hundreds and thousands of years and it's so deeply ingrained. And there are hundreds and millions, hundreds of millions of orphans, literally hundreds of millions of orphans in our world, children and families living in poverty. There's nearly half of the world's population, almost three billion people, half the world's population live in poverty. And half of them, which is a quarter of the population, 1.3 billion people live in what they call extreme poverty. That means they make $1.25 a day. And the poverty level is two fifty a day around the world. That's half the world's population that suffers in poverty. Human trafficking, this is a quote off the internet. I was looking up some stuff and it says this. Human trafficking is considered to be the fastest growing criminal industry in the world. In the, in the 21st century, human trafficking, slavery, is on the rise, right? You know, this is, this is, we're an educated, modern culture. We're supposed to be past all of this. You know, we have advanced technologically, but morally and spiritually, we are as bad or as worse as we have ever been. Human trafficking is on the rise. Sex trafficking, I heard that Chattanooga is one of the p- points on the pipeline of human trafficking in our country. I did a Google Chattanooga sex trafficking and you'll get a study that was done recently that says this, quote, the study revealed that 85% of the state of Tennessee has reports of it, mostly girls 9 to 12 with almost 50 in Hamilton County alone. And it was talking about that year. Slavery, homelessness, injustice, oppression, ISIS is raping, beheading and enslaving its way across the Middle East. Parts in Africa where they're 
trademark is dismembering people with machetes. So much of it is perpetrated by cruel governments or people who want to be the government and to take power. Greed, injustice, and the abuse of power and human cruelty. In a world that rejects God, a lot of this is overshadowed by a hopelessness, a meaninglessness, a despair. Does it now come closer? The people who walked in darkness. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. Even as Isaiah, Isaiah is predicting this day of judgment and suffering for Israel, that Israel is going to walk through this deep darkness that will come over even their land. God in his grace simultaneously gives this vision. It is the Christian vision. It's why we're here this morning. It's why we celebrate Christmas. This, this glorious vision of a brighter day, of something more, of deliverance, of light shining in the darkness, the coming of a glorious son of Israel. What child is this? He says in verse 6, unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. Isaiah describes the glories of a coming king. And we know he's a king because the very next thing he says is, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. That means he will reign and he will rule. He will be king over God's kingdom. In the middle of verse 7, he tells us that he is going to reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it. That he's going to be a king, a future Davidic king, a king in the line of David, a messianic king. And we're told in verse 7, and we'll read that, it says, of the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts is going to accomplish it. His reign, he says, is going to be glorious. All the things that we just talked about, the, the darkness that reigns over the land, the moral and spiritual darkness, he says, will come to an end. It will be a glorious reign of the increase of his government, of his rule and of his reign and of his power, it says, there will be no end. It will increase until it encompasses everything. And he will establish peace, Right? The increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. It's one of the names, and we'll talk about this in the weeks ahead. The Prince of Peace is one of his names given in the text. And of his government and his peace, there will be no end. The end of war. Just think, the end of war, the end of conflict, the end of hatred, the end of suffering and dying and violence. The reign of justice and peace, he says. Justice and righteousness. He will establish it and he will uphold it with these as the hallmarks of his kingdom. Justice and righteousness. From now on and forevermore, the end of oppression, the end of poverty, the end of slavery, the end of trafficking in human beings and of their abuse and the demeaning of Humans by other humans of, and of fatherlessness. And you read this and you say there's going to be this kingdom and it will be a kingdom of peace established in justice and righteousness. And if your heart doesn't say, oh my God, yes. 
please, when? And your heart is hard beyond my understanding. They will be no more. And it says, the the zeal of the Lord of hosts, Yahweh of hosts, will do this thing. It says, this is the heart of God. This is the purpose of God. This is what God is going to do. This is what God is working towards. This is the Lord who reigns over heaven and earth and sits enthroned upon the circle of the earth. This is his zeal. This is his passion. This is what he's going to do. Justice, righteousness, peace. The world as it was intended to be. When, my God? When? What child is this? Who is born for us, who is given to us, who will be a light in the darkness, who will be a savior from these things, who will establish this kingdom. If you don't know, Linus knows. Linus knows. He quotes it for us. It's there, I think, in your bulletin, the second point. Luke chapter 2, verse 11. Unto you is born this day in the city of David, one who is in the line of David. A child is given. A child is born. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. And he is Christ the Lord. Christmas, then, is the zeal of God Almighty, the Lord of hosts, giving to us a glorious Son who will establish a kingdom of righteousness. This is Christmas. This is what we celebrate. This, whatever else we're dealing with, my friends, lift up your eyes and see. See the King, the zeal of the Almighty, giving to us a King of righteousness who will reign forever in justice and in peace. The New Testament, this is the whole New Testament. I'm going to read, these are in your bulletin under the second point. Luke chapter 1, the angel comes and he says, He, the Lord Jesus, who is being born, this baby in Mary's womb, He will be great, He will be called Son of the Most High. Unto us a son is given, unto us a child is born, the Son of God, Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. He will be in the Davidic line and sit on his throne. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And and of his kingdom there will be no end. This is Isaiah 9. This is Jesus. Right? Matthew 9, 1, chapter, uh, verse 49, when Nathaniel bumps into Jesus and has this encounter and his declaration, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the Son who is given. You are the King of Israel who reigns on David's throne. Matthew chapter 4, as Matthew is explaining Jesus' ministry, he quotes a great chunk of this. And he says, so that will have spoken in the prophet Isaiah would be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali, the way of the sea, Beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people there dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And those dwelling in the region of the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. And from that time forward, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven. The Isaiah 9 kingdom is at hand. It stands incarnated. And this carpenter from Galilee. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It has come in the person of the king. 
So John 12, they took branches and palm trees and they went out crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter two when Peter's explaining what's going on in, uh, in, in this outpouring of God's Spirit and the work that he is doing. He says, David being a prophet, knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne. In the context, it is forever. He would not see corruption. David foresaw and spoke of the resurrection of Christ. He is saying that when the promise that he would set one of David's descendants on his throne forever and ever, it says that he looked forward and saw and that he was talking about the resurrection of Christ so that this Jesus being raised up, being therefore exalted to the very right hand of God. And just as the temple in Jerusalem was just a picture of actually the presence of God, the place of worship, and just as the kingdom of Israel was just a small picture of the great worldwide kingdom that God was about to establish, so the throne of David in Israel is just a picture of the throne of God and the one who will reign over that kingdom forever. And Jesus being therefore raised up by God's right hand to be enthroned forever. King Jesus reigns. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Right? This is Christmas. And some of the, some of the implications of this as we think about this and this, this coming kingdom, because as we think about the darkness of our world, I just, the things I just described are current darknesses. That's why I say those who walk in a land of darkness. And so there's some things that we need to understand. And the first is that we do need to understand the kingdom has come. The kingdom has come. This is the message of the entire New Testament. It's the message of the ministry of Jesus and his, what he is doing in building his church. And we're to pray, thy kingdom come and thy will be done. And he is building his church and the gates of hell will not. And he has is, he is bound the strong man and he is plundering his, his kingdom. And he's populating his kingdom with a people of his own. The kingdom has come. So in Luke chapter 10, this is under your final point, your bullet in Luke 10. Jesus, when he tells the apostles and they're heading out to preach, he says, whenever you enter a town, heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come and it's near to you. This is your message and this is our message. It's the message to your own soul in this season. It's a message we have for the world, the kingdom of God. This glorious kingdom is at hand. So in Luke chapter 11, verse 20, Jesus is explaining how it is that he casts out demons. He brings deliverance into the lives of people. He says, if it it is by the finger of God that I do this, he says, the kingdom of God has come. This is is Jesus' message. It's the message he told them, go out and tell them, the kingdom is coming. Pray that thy kingdom is coming. Pray that the kingdom will come. But there is this very strange window that you and I live in. The window between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. Where in the first coming of Jesus, he comes unto us as a child that is born. And he comes to bear our flesh so that he can bear our sin. Right? He comes in humility. He w- took on flesh and bone so that he could bleed and die. He comes to establish and to break into our world. You know, this little, this, this beam of light that comes in Christ that, that, you become little lights of the world and so that it begins, there's this already sense that it has begun. 
God has come. He has visited this dark planet and, and light has come. And so it's all ready and, it, and it's growing in one sense, but there's also a very real sense in which it's not yet. And so theologians talk quite a bit about the already and the not yet. It has begun, but it's not done. D-Day has happened, and we may be on mainland Europe, and the battle is enraged, but it's as good as done. And the day of consummation is coming. The day of the final victory is coming. And the day when Jesus returns, we're told, not in humility and not as a child, but as a reigning coming king to claim his throne and to extend his power and authority. It's already, but it's not yet. It's breaking in. Christmas, a son is given. On a cross, a kingdom is purchased. At the resurrection, the king is enthroned. The kingdom is breaking in and there are glimpses and foretastes. He's building his church and increasing his government. But we wait for our king. We wait for the consummation. We wait for the day when justice and righteousness will be established like the waters of the sea. We wait. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. And so the kingdom, though, is coming. It is broken in and it continues to break in. And if you're here this morning, my hope is it's broken into your life. Because wherever the king is, is his kingdom. And if he has come to reign in your life, if you have bowed the knee to the Lord Jesus as your king, then the kingdom in your life and in the sphere of your influence and in, 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 in all that you are and all that you do and the people you encounter is a little sphere of the kingdom. And that's why when we gather together, there's a bigger chunk of it in a sense here because we overlap, you know, and as we disperse, we take the kingdom into the community and into the world. But we are where the reign of Jesus has begun. And we are where this kingdom is coming. And so Titus chapter 2 is there in your bulletin. He says he gave himself. First to be born as a child and then to die on a cross. He gave himself to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people. King needs a kingdom and we are that kingdom. He does this to purify a people for his own possession so they, like him, would be zealous, it says, right? Zealous for good works. Zealous for justice. Zealous for righteousness. Zealous for peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the very sons of God. People who fight for justice and take up the cause of the orphan and the widow and against poverty and oppression. People who love righteousness who are salt and light on the earth, who are zealous for the will and the ways of God, people who seek first before all else the kingdom of God and His righteousness, first in their own lives and then as salt and light in a world of darkness. Lovers of the King. Lovers of the coming of His kingdom. Ambassadors for King Jesus. In your bulletin, the king that died never surrendered to death. He rose and he reigns, sending his disciples among the nations to offer everyone everywhere a never-ending joy in him and in his presence. That begins now in a foretaste, in a first fruit, but then will come in its fullness. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son has been given. 
And what child is this? This, this is Christ the King. Whom shepherds guard and angels sing. The King of kings salvation brings. Let every heart enthrone Him. People in every age have sought to tame Him. Every age have sought to bring Him down and box Him and contain Him. The way Christmas is celebrated in our culture even, it seems that, again, we love the Christmas not so much about the grown-up Jesus. We'd much rather keep reduce Jesus to a little baby and keep Him in a manger. Keep Him off to the side. I mean, that's something, you know, tameable. That's something controllable. That's something but a King Jesus who rises to the throne and makes, begins to exert His rule and His reign in our lives to call us to repentance and to call us to himself and to call us to his kingdom and the purposes of his kingdom to follow him, to deny ourselves and take up our own cross and follow the king. This is the verdict, John chapter 3. Light has come into the world, to a world In deep darkness. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Their works were evil. Everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light lest his works be exposed. But here is the verdict. Light has come. The world stays outside of the, the sphere of that glow because its deeds are evil. It's not interested in repentance. It's not interested in justice and righteousness, purity and holiness. It's not interested in bowing the knee to their God and giving themselves back to Him to end their rebellion. Christmas is the celebration of the birth of a king who lived and died for our salvation and who has a rightful claim on the heart and life of every human being for our love and for our allegiance. And the word of the king is this. Repent and believe and let every heart enthrone him. Take him as king. Follow and serve him. Have you embraced your king this morning? As you enter into a new Christmas season where we sing these songs, we're about to sing joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Have you embraced your king? Will you receive Jesus Christ as king this morning? Is the Lord opening your eyes to see the need to bow the knee, to embrace him, to give yourself and your life to him in faith, and trust. If you've never received your king, if you've never bowed the knee, Christmas is a perfect time. As we sing these songs afresh and as we celebrate these things anew, put your faith and your trust in Christ. There are many of you here this morning, you did that a long time ago. You've gathered week by week and you own him as your king. This is a good time for you and I to bow our knees afresh and to consecrate ourselves to him. He is king. We owe Him our love and our allegiance. We owe Him to deny ourselves and to take up our cross and to pursue first, before anything else, His kingdom and His righteousness to be His people. 
So will you consecrate your life afresh to a life of radical obedience and service to your king? Will you say with your whole heart, I will follow you. I will follow you, my brother, my captain, my king. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, we have gathered on this day to hear from you, to see you high and lifted up, seated in power and glory, enthroned at the right hand of the Father. Help us as we enter into a season of this celebration that it would not be words in a song, but it would be a king in our hearts, a worship given fully and wholly and truly to you. Come, Lord Jesus, and claim us as your own. We ask, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen.